Oh, goodness. First of all, there are a number of you who are back with us today, and we are so thankful for you being here. Uh, some all the way from Kerrville, Texas, and uh, it's so good to have you guys back with us and, and uh, certainly enjoy it when you are able to visit. Uh, Nani and Paul are here this morning, and it's good to, to have Herschel and Diane Blackford back with us, and what a blessing that is to see them. And, and many of you, uh, uh, if you look around, you'll notice we have a few extra seats. It's that time of year. Um, summertime, and but I'm going to tell you something. This is the most we've ever had starting out in the summer. So you say, why do you mention that? Because, man, that's a blessing. It is an awesome thing to see and to have and very, very excited uh, for Pine Island and, and all that God is doing for us. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read together uh, talking about walking together in this life community, church, we're together. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this while you turn there. You're not going to stand yet. Um, This next Sunday, there will be no Sunday school. So if you come next Sunday at uh, 930, uh, there will just be a handful of people here at 930. Um, However, uh, you are more than welcome to come at 930 if you would like. And probably listen to the group in here, get ready for the 1030 service. Uh, But uh, we will be getting uh, started on the 26th with a new type uh, that we're going to do through the summer for Sunday school. We're all going to gather next door over in the fellowship hall at round tables. Now, here's the challenge I want to give you because I'm excited about this uh, as well as all that uh, we discuss this at, at our uh, bigger committee when we all came together as a church council and everybody's excited about this. We want to invite you to come because what's going to happen, we're going to have five or six teachers that are going to take a week apiece and they're going to walk us through a book and that book is I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. And this book is something that if you want to go out and purchase it, that's great. It's about, uh, somebody said they found it for like $7.95 on um, Amazon. And so you can go out and find it there. But it's called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer, T-H-O-M, Rainer. Um, and so uh, it's a good book. And they're going to take a chapter every Sunday morning at 930. They're going to take about 10 to 15 minutes to discuss what that chapter is about And then the really cool part, the most important part to me, is that we're going to have questions for you at the table, and you're going to be able to discuss those questions at the table with those who are sitting there with you, and you're going to talk about the impact of what the lesson's about, what the purpose of being a church member is that that had to do with that particular chapter that day. So I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing study together as a church. If you do not normally come to Sunday school, what we're wanting you to do is to come and try this out. And here's the reason why. After we're done with this study, we're not exactly sure what all we're going to do next. But we want you to know that we're going to be looking at probably doing some different studies with these same Bible teachers. But you'll be able to go and kind of start maybe a circuit after that of going to some classes in different places. That way we all get to spend time together. You get to know who each other really are, who, what, what it is that we think, the way that we want to grow spiritually. So I'm super excited about this, and I believe that everyone else has heard about it is as well. But this is going to be a real blessing, and it's really what discipleship is all about. 
It is about listening to the Holy Spirit, reading and studying together. And, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning is doing this together as a community, walking together in faith, walking together as a body of believers. So how many of you are uh, already in Sunday school? Just raise your hand real quick if you already have a Sunday school class. That is awesome. All right. So a lot of you did not raise your hand. So let me tell you what you do. You come next Sunday morning. And you will be all by yourself, right? But if you come on the 26th, you will be together with all of these folks in that same room. We're going to hear that 15 to 15 minute lesson. And can I tell you the real blessing about this? And y'all going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think, man, Tom, you're a horrible person. I don't have to teach. Y'all don't know what a burden that is that's lifted off of me. Like I have, I have wanted to be in that place where I can come in and just be a part of sitting down and being taught. And it's exciting to me because I get to experience that again. And these folks that are going to be teaching, I, I'm, I have all the confidence in the world in, these, in, in them and very, very thankful. If you have a child, the children are going to be going through a, a, a curriculum that we had gone through in the past, and that is called the Gospel Project. So your children will be in their age-appropriate groups, and they'll be doing those studies. So we're excited about this. But certainly, and then if you have youth as well, we want them to come be a part. Tyler and Kelly have something great for them uh, to go, uh, go through as well. So we're really excited. So that is my uh, plug for Sunday school. And so on the 26th, I expect at least 200 people in Sunday school. So we're excited about this and looking forward to it. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and let's start this morning in Matthew chapter 7. Let's stand together and read verses 13 through 14. Oh, and by the way, as you gather, here's the, cha- here's the real challenge of Sunday school. And this is going to either really make you happy or you're going to go, oh, no, he shouldn't have said that. But I'm going to give you fair warning that what I want you to do as you come to Sunday school every week, find the new table. Find someone you haven't talked to yet. Otherwise, this whole thing doesn't fulfill all of its purpose. This is about getting to know one another, spending time with each other. And uh, that's what we got to do yesterday in the men's breakfast. A lot of us got to meet folks we'd have never known without that, without that time. So let's begin. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad. That leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. But the gate is narrow, and the way is, con- is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Father, this morning, what we pray is that we will understand that you, Lord Jesus Christ, are the door. You are the one that we have to enter through. There is no other way other than Jesus Christ. So, Father, this morning, <clears throat> may we study within our own hearts, to find out if we have entered properly into your fellowship. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So the very first thing that we see is enter through the narrow gate. This is the beginning. This is that moment that you understand that you are a sinner in desperate need of grace. This is that moment where you have come in life and you have realized that all of the good that you have ever done will never outweigh all the bad that you have ever done. 
This is that moment in life where either as a child, a a teenager, a young adult, or a senior adult, you come to that place of understanding that your church membership has not done you any good. You come to that place of understanding that all the things that I've ever done that I thought were positive will never add up to salvation. And you realize that the only way to enter is through the narrow gate, through Jesus Christ himself. That is the beginning. That is the start of a brand new life. That is when you and I come together and we are born again and we are born into God's people, into his kingdom and a part of his church. As we come to this place of seeing that God has made a way for us, we begin that journey. and, And folks, the journey is very difficult. It starts out hard. It starts out hard. You say, well, Brother Tom, why? How, what do you mean it starts out hard? Well, first of all, you've got to get over the fact that there is nothing that you can do to save yourself. And when we live in a world where we are teaching your children, listen to me. If you are a parent today, quit telling your children how good they are compared to everybody else. You say, but my kid is better than everybody else. Thus the problem with your child's salvation. How can a child understand their need for salvation if they cannot see their own depravity? I get so tired of parents coming up to me going, well, you don't understand. You just don't get it. No, no, no. Listen. God reaches us by showing us how good he is and how evil we are. And if you don't believe your child is evil, you don't think they don't have the intent, they don't have the heart of evilness within them. Folks, let me ask you a question. Do you remember your teenage days? Now, I know some of you in here were angels, right? Never got in trouble. Went through life without ever doing anything dumb. No, no. Well, guess what your child has in them? You. They have you. You have made that child. You raised that child. That child is not crazy. That child is you. That child needs to understand. You can rise above your situation whenever you trust Christ. Salvation is hard because we have told our children for so long that they're so good that they don't understand why do I need a savior? My mom and dad tell me how good I am all the time. Some of y'all need to be raised by Kathy and Tommy Dobbs. Not Kathy and Tom Dobbs, Kathy with a K and Tommy, my father. My parents had no problem telling me when I did something stupid, dumb, or ignorant. My mom and dad, if I got in trouble at school, never came to me and said, what did the teacher do? But instead, my parents came to me and said, what did you do to the teacher? My parents made me own up to what I had done. My parents had taught me, son, we know you. We raised you at home. We know you don't have the ability to shut your mouth. We know you don't have the ability to do those things. You've got to overcome. You've got to adapt. You've got to be stronger. You've got to do those things. And so through that, I learned my own depravity. But by the grace of God and the preaching of the word, I found out that there was one who loved me in spite of my depravity 
And that is Jesus Christ. So the way is hard. It's difficult. It's constricting. Because it squeezes us out of ourselves where all we have is Christ. Enter through the narrow gate. John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10 says, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All those who come before me or came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be what? Saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have what? Life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, if you want to come in as the sheep should want to come in, You don't come in based on your good works. You don't come in based on your good name. You don't come in based on how much money you give. You don't come in based upon how good of a person you think you are. There's only one way for the sheep to get in, and that is through the door, and the door is Jesus Christ. That means that in order for us to become a part of who God has called us to be, we must be willing to accept the fact that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior, that Jesus Christ himself Virgin born, by the way, y'all with me? Virgin born, a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Touching the womb of a woman named Mary, a young girl named Mary. Mary trusting that what God said was good and complete. Has this child. This child is raised and walks without ever committing sin. Now, folks, you raise children, you know how difficult this is. Jesus without sin. He went through the terrible twos, but yet without sin. Catch all that? We can't even make it out of being a two-year-old without messing up, right? I say this all the time. You do not have to teach a child how to throw a fit. It is natural. Yet Jesus himself, perfect. As a teenager, did not talk back to his parents. That is the greatest miracle known to man outside of the resurrection. Right? You know what's true? Jesus walked the earth, perfection. And you believe that that perfect Jesus was then nailed to a sinner's tree, sinner's cross that belonged to me and belonged to you. And that cross, listen, that cross paid for the penalty that I owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. He is the only way into the Father. 
John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except what? By me. And what I love about this, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. How many of you in this room have experienced greater joy and greater life after coming to Christ than you did before? Right? That experience of being around fellow believers, brothers and sisters who are like-minded, who you can laugh with and talk with and even talk about your past with and realize just how far God has brought you. It's good, that life abundant. Then he says this. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. My friend, you have to squeeze out of your own self-preservation. You have to squeeze out of your own desires and say, Lord, all I have is you. That's salvation. That is believing and trusting in God. All I have is you. And let me share with you what happens when we go through this road. We start the journey. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 through 22 says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. There's already a warning. The moment that we follow Christ, there's a warning. You are going to be alone. There will be more of them than there are of you. Why do you think church is so important? For you to recognize just how many of you are still there. How many of you are still in this fight and journey together? People, I don't understand how folks can just walk away from church and say, I don't need church. I don't need community. Folks, the importance of this, how, how can you make it through life without getting around people who are like-minded and, and having the same struggles, and, and yet we see more victories when we come together? It says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wary as serpents. You better be paying attention. Because what do you do? Be honest. How many of you, when you see a snake, the first thing you do is you pick it up and pet it? <laughs> right? Now, if you're a typical kid growing up over in the piney woods of East Texas, you might... You might think taking a water moccasin off of the, that's swimming along the water on a pond and putting it in a big mason jar is fun. It's fun until you take it back and show them at the house what you've done. And the people you're staying the night with, their mama comes out with a shotgun and she doesn't open the lid. She shoots the jar with the snake in it, looks at all of us to teach us a lesson and says, now pick up the glass. Guess what I never did again? I brought it home in a plastic jar. I mean, you know, that just makes more sense, right? You got No, no, no. I never went out and did that again because I realized I don't ever have to do that again. It's not smart. It's not bright. Nobody said I was smart. Yes. Yes. Where are you from? Ohio. Sweetie, down here in the south, we do some crazy stuff that other people don't do elsewhere, okay? I'm just telling you. We do some crazy stuff. 
All right, be honest. How many of y'all have ever done something as crazy as that? Oh, thank you very much. Testify. Talk to me now. Woo, I'm telling you. Yeah, I don't know what y'all do in Ohio. Once you cross that line, it's like, well, life is just so great over here. (laughs) I love it. I'm sorry. We're moving on. Weary is service because people are always wanting to stomp on your head. They're going to be looking at you. And as innocent as doves, no matter what somebody does to you, no matter how many times they seek to kill you like you would a snake, you got to love them. Folks, let me tell you something. That in itself is why you need the church. That is why you need community because when you're hurting and when you're angry and when you're wanting to reach back with your hand and lay hands on somebody because the Bible says we should to pray. You need community. You need church. You need other brothers and sisters who have been. That's why I tell all of y'all, y'all are going to get so sick of me saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it until the day I die. If you're younger, hang out with older people. Hang out with older people because they have been there. They can help you walk through what you're going through. Why is this serpents, or weary of serpents, as innocent as doves, but be on guard against people for they will hand you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues and you will even be brought before governors and kings on my account as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. Folks, God does not send you out alone. You are not on your own. The Holy Spirit that lives within us, that dwells within us, will give us the right speech at the right time. Let me tell you the hard part about being a Christian, knowing when to keep your mouth shut. Knowing when to listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger, but quick to hear, listen. You will even be brought before governors and kings on my account and a testimony to them of the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you, you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who are speaking, but it is the spirit of your father who is speaking in you. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to, put, uh, to be put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Well, Brother Tom, that sounds like works. No, it is proof of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because those who are truly born again cannot give up. There is something that has been put within us by the Spirit of God that keeps us going. And don't get me wrong, there are going to be days that we want to give up, and there might even be a period of your life where you try to walk away. But my friend, if you're born of the Spirit of God, something keeps drawing us back. And that something is God himself. You will be hated, he says, by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. You want to tell you what that means? It means this. There should not be hatred within the church. There should be love. There shouldn't be gossip within the church. But there should be, 
admonition. There should be encouragement. Because all those things represent what? The world outside. But the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to what? Destruction. How many people do you know that are absolutely destroyed? Their lives have just been absolutely destroyed by their choices. And you keep going, I'm, I'm going to fix them. I can help them. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You pour money. You pour your life. You pour your tears. And nothing happens. And you may tell you why. Because you, you are not in the business of saving people. You're in the business of bringing salvation. You're, you're in the business of bringing the gospel, I should say. And God's in the business of finishing the job. Sometimes you've got to learn to just trust God with people. And you may tell you the hardest part about that. Well, I can't. It's my child. I can't, it's my, it's my parent, I can't, it's my spouse. There comes a point where you literally, all you can do is pray for somebody. Some of you have been there. That road leads to destruction. Think about the path <clears throat> that I had the choice to go on leaving high school, and most of the people that I went to high school with chose a totally different path than what I did. And I'm thankful that I recognize the need. I'm, I'm thankful that I recognize the need to go and, and walk the straight and narrow, not that I'm perfect on it by any means, because I'm not. But I look at their lives, and I look at how many of the people that I grew up with that I have lost to drug use that I have lost to just dumb things. When I say lost, I'm talking about death. Why? Because they just kept sowing to self and it leads to destruction. So what do we have? What is it that, that, that you and I have? It's a hard but beautiful journey. It's a hard but beautiful journey. Some of you are like, man, if I'd have known today what I've had to go through after becoming a Christian, I may not have made that choice. Yeah, but God got you through it, didn't he? That's the beauty of it is that God has never left me nor forsaken me. It's a hard but beautiful journey, and you're, you're, you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Folks, it's not going to be an easy run. You've got to endure. Like, I asked this question a few months back, and I said, How many of you here have ever run a marathon? And there were like five or six people. My next question should have been, how many of you enjoyed running the marathon, right? They probably enjoyed it up to about the fifth, sixth, tenth mile. Christy, when does it get hard, Christy? About 20. Good grief. Why, you only got six left after that. What's the problem? You know, I mean, just keep on going. How far is it again? 26 point some on. That's just crazy. Right? 
I've told you all this before. If you ever see me running, you better be able to run faster because something is chasing me. All right? I'm telling you right now. But we're called to run this race to endure that it's going to be hard. And that means that, listen to me, and, and, and you younger people, I want you to, to, to get mad at me for what I'm about to say. You got to get over your feelings. The world doesn't care if they hurt your feelings. And as a believer, you've got to get some thick skin and learn to be tough. A lot of this has to do with you being raised by parents who sometimes go, oh, it's okay, baby. It's all right. Your baby's 30 years old. <laughs> like there comes a point where we have to say to our kid, you got to suck it up, buttercup, right? That's a good spiritual life lesson that our kids need to learn. It's hard. Looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, go back to that first part in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we also have endured... Uh, or excuse me, have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Think about the Bible. Think about all of those men and women who have come before us. This morning in Sunday school, uh, Robert was sharing with us some of the stuff that he's been reading about some of the great men and women of faith and, and what they had to endure. But because they endured, they impacted thousands of people's lives. Listen, church, be ready and willing to endure. People don't like you, so What? They hated Jesus, and he was perfect. We find out in ministry that people lie about you. They lie about you. They say that you did this, or you say this, or you did that, or you've hurt this, or somehow people always play the victim, right? In the church, you cannot play the victim and endure. You've got to stand up and take whatever's given and you just keep right on marching and keep right on walking in faith. And I want to close with two simple things, two simple slides that I think you need to see. We've got this great cloud. We can read about them, all the great men and women of faith, people that are alive today. But ultimately, you trust your father on the journey. You trust your father on the journey. He says, for this reason, in Matthew 6, 25, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. 
Do not worry then saying, what are we to eat or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Very simply, let me put it like this. The church should not look like the world. The church should be rock solid. The church should understand that we have the cornerstone that we're built on. The church needs to understand that the very one who created Adam and Eve, provided for their needs, even after they sinned, took one of his own and took the skin from one of the animals that he had to kill and cover them, then he will also take care of us problem with the church is she has forgotten that latter part. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Walk together. Walk together. Study and pray together. I invite you next two Sundays from now on the 26th to be here at 930. And to sit down with us as we study God's word. We have the opportunity as a church for the first time as adults to come together and say, let's learn from each other. Let's seek God together. Then share the gospel. Take what you've been given and give it away. I noticed something's not here today. What's not here today? The baptistry. My friend, that's a testimony against this church. Some of you may not like what I just said, but it's the truth. This baptistry should be being used on a regular basis because you, the army of God, are out taking the good news of Jesus Christ. Defend the faith. Folks, we live in a world today who hates the word of God, who hates the church. When the man there in Texas had to stand up and kill the intruder who walked into the church, one of the men in the church died, and there were questions of what is a man doing carrying a gun in the church. Folks, can I tell you something? If somebody comes into this place and tries to start doing something crazy, There are men in this church who I know beyond a shadow of a doubt will stand up for you, and you'll be thankful for them when it's all said and done. Be ready to defend the faith because the world hates the church. The world hates the church. But you and I must be ready to stand up for what is right, to stand on the word of God, And who it declares Jesus Christ. Father we thank you. That you love us. We thank you that you have given us. Your son. The door. The way. The only way to enter. Into the father. Lord I pray today that for these little children that are here. That their parents will remind them. Of how desperate they are. For God. 
And that we won't lie to our kids and tell them how perfect they are and how much better they are than little one or that one. But instead, they'll, we'll teach our children to look at their own faults, how to look in the mirror and recognize their own sin. But that starts with the parent also recognizing that they are no better than anyone else. And that they too struggle. One of the hardest things we can ever get through is the sin of pride. Thinking that we're always right. Having it my way. Father, just deal with us this morning. Deal with us in a way that God, we will surrender everything to you. That we will recognize the great cloud of witnesses that you have not just put before us in scripture, but even some that are alive within our own church today. I think of great men and women of the faith like Howard Berry and sweet Miss Irene Cooper. Many others in this room. Father, we can recognize how good you are to us. And this road is going to be hard, but we will never be left alone. And for that, we are thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.